So before I have you be seated, I'd like for you to, I'd like to read some scripture. So let's go to uh, John's gospel, John chapter 20. We're going to read about the resurrection. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Just download version. It's a great app. And look for the um, New Living Translation. That's what I read out of. While you're looking that up, um, I want to let you know about our next series that's going to be starting next Sunday called The Table. So this is going to be a relationship series. And I'll tell you, no, no greater relationship than your relationship with Jesus, but the one on earth that God gave you, your friends, your family, co-workers, classmates. Man, it's just hard to get along sometimes, but we all want our relationships to be successful. And so we're going to kind of tackle that in the next few weeks. And I'm really, really excited because Wednesday night at Core Community, Laura and I are going to sit down out here in the lobby around tables, and we're going to kind of kick off the series talking about marriage. So whether you're married or you're single, if you're single, uh, don't raise your hand because we're not going to hook you up right now, okay? Come Wednesday night for the hookup if you're single. Whoop, whoop. Uh, no. No, that's not what that, that's not the invitation, okay? But if you are single and you're like, I really would like to have my relationship with the opposite sex start off right and end right, um, Laura has been working on me for over three decades and I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. All right. I got a thumbs up. All right. So she's going to share. I'm going to listen and I'm going to take notes with all of you so I can learn too. All right. Wednesday night, 630 is the meal, seven o'clock. Uh, we'll gather around the tables. We'll have some stuff for kids and youth as well. All right. John's gospel chapter 20. And this story here, if you're new to church and the resurrection, I don't like to take for granted that everybody here knows about the resurrection and who this Jesus is. But Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years and told us that he was the Messiah who came to save the world. He died on a criminal's cross. We believe he was raised again on the third day. And the story I'm going to read to you now is the account of that story. If you're a skeptic here today and you don't, you're not sure if you believe today, you're in really good company because every single one of the followers in this story were skeptics and weren't sure it was a legit deal because Jesus had died. So let's read it. Verse 1, early on Sunday morning, that's what we're doing right now. So 2,000 years ago, picture this, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now time out here. He's, this is John. John's a disciple. John wrote this. He's writing about himself in the third person. So he's just like, uh, in case you forgot, I'm Jesus' favorite, Okay. So that's kind of what he's saying here. Uh, he wrote it. It's in here, okay? Here's what Mary said. They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. And they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. A dig at Peter right there. Did you catch that slight dig? Like, yeah, Peter, he's fat and slow, ate way too much at the Last Supper. I totally outran him. You see, Peter, like, did you really have to write that down? At the resurrection? Oh, yeah, I did have to get that one in there. So they reached the tomb. Peter's there first. He stoops. He looks in. He saw the linen wrappings. I'm sorry, uh, John reached there first, saw the linen wrappings, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived. He went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, he, he also went in, 
love these words. And he saw and he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. Father, thank you for this most holy day. What a day where we just stop for a moment and honor you for your death and your resurrection. And in this moment, we want to open up your word so we can all kind of grab a hold of it and get something for this day that will help all of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you, you can actually pray in this moment. All right, God, what do you got for me? I'm a skeptic. I'm not real sure who you are. Would you speak to me? And I believe he is going to speak to you today in a way that you've not heard him speak before. And uh, just, would you pray for me too? Um, I just want to make sure I only say what God is trying to get said in this place today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I think perhaps the, uh, the worst kid snack ever created is raisins. I, uh, I don't understand, like, what, what were they thinking? Did they just see there's a couple of sweet ladies who said, you know, Myrtle, what I'm thinking is we should ditch the candy and we should go with dried up, shriveled up grapes. What do you think? Bad idea. I, I, have you, anybody, do any of you remember this red box as a kid? Like you look in your pantry at the house, you'd be like, yeah, that, I'm not hitting that one. No. I, this, and do you remember like, you remember like trying to enjoy them? Like you take one out and be like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. No, they're awful. They're just awful. I, I remember uh, sitting at the uh, lunch table at school very vividly in grade school and everybody's trading their snacks, you know, and my mom and then they, uh, they're opening up the boxes. They hey, what you got, Farnsworth? And I'm like, I got raisins. <laughs> Nobody's trading with the kid that brought raisins. Uh, and then over the, um, over the years, they've, they've even tried to disguise them and, and make them appear uh, delicious. Do you remember in the 90s, the, the commercials, the California raisins? Anybody remember those? Boom, 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 boom. Put it through the grapevine. You remember that? And you're like, oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> what was that about? All right. You're, but you're like, oh, they must be good. And you tried them again. They're still awful. And then uh, and now, nowadays, we, um, we disguise them uh, in things like yogurt. Um, or here is the worst. The worst is when you think you're getting a cookie you with me? That has chocolate chips in it. You bite into it, and there's raisins. Oh, for the love of all that is wrong. Oh, that is so awful. My mom always had raisins in the house, but when I, when I would go to, um, when I go to grandma's house, uh, grandma had grapes, just like this, and they were always sitting out on, on the counter. And I, I, I remember when I would just kind of walk by, and I would just kind of you know, pop one off and be like, mmm, mmm, oh, that's good. That was really, really good. And then I'd walk by because they're so good. You, you, ever, you, can't, you can't have these things out, can you? Because if they're near you, you just keep popping them, won't you? Just pop, pop, pop. And that's what I do. I'd walk by them, I'd get another one, 
pop it and eat it. Oh, it's delicious. And, and then I come back and I'd look and I realize I've eaten like 20 or 30 of them. And I was trying to make it look like I hadn't eaten them, but the stems were all out. And I was like, oh, dang, I'm in trouble. So I would run into the living room where on the uh, end table were plastic grapes. And I would <laughs> pop a plastic grape off and put the plastic grape on there. <laughs> And then, and then I would hear grandma say, Bradley, did you eat all the grapes? And from the bathroom, uh, now you're tracking. I would yell, I know, grandma. <laughs> Man, I just, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't really like raisins. And the interesting thing is, I, I didn't know this until I became an adult. Raisins and grapes are the same thing. I did not know that. Some of y'all right now, look, some of you are like that. I didn't know that either. I'm glad I came to church today. Some of you are like, is he going to talk about raisins or Jesus? What is he talking about? But raisins uh, and grapes, although they are the same, they are way different. Like grapes are, man, they are full of life. And raisins, they have had the life sucked out of them. I, I would bet that some of you today, uh, you, your life feels like this, like a box of raisins. And life has been literally sucked right out of you. I mean, you know, life, uh, I mean, for the most part, on, on, on the outside, life is great. Um, I worked on that all week. Was the timing off? Was the timing off, right? Was the timing? Okay. That was good. I don't care. That was good. And I've just gotten started, people. But listen, on the outside, though, listen, everything's great. Everything, everything looks good. But on the, by the inside, things aren't, aren't going so well. Life's good. It's just not, it's just not great. It's just not where you, where you want it to be. And, and so what happens to us is, is then what we do is, is we start digging back into the box of raisins to try to make life sweet. And so we, we dive into relationships and we dive into a relationship and maybe that, that, that'll work. And if I can just get that relationship, once that relationship is where it needs to be, then man, life is going to be sweet. Or, or if, I, if I can just get into that career field, or if I can, if I can change jobs and get over here, or, or if I can get that diploma, once I get that diploma, life is going to be sweet. You know, if I could just move into to that zip code. I mean, once I move into that zip code, and, and, I, and we dig into the, into the raisins, and we, and we try to just fill it, and, and it, just, it just keeps not quite satisfying. Sometimes we even turn to things that are not healthy addictions and things that we know are not healthy or good for us, but we still dig in to just try to satisfy that hunger that we have. Jesus said something very interesting in John chapter 15 and verse 5, and you don't have to look it up. We'll put it on the screen for you. This is what Jesus said a little bit before he was betrayed and went to the cross. He said this, I am the vine you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will do what? They will what? Produce much fruit. Come on, turn to somebody right now and say, hey, are you producing fruit? Are you, are you producing fruit? Okay, good question. Is my life 
Is my life producing the fruit that I want? Because he says this, for apart from me, you can what? You can do nothing. In other words, you're only going to end up with a box of raisins. The thing I know that, uh, about all of us, whether we do it consciously or unconsciously, we're all really searching for four things. Hope, healing, peace, and purpose. All of us. It's a universal trait. Uh, no one is exempt. We all are this way. Man, I, if I could just find some, some hope for my heart, because, man, the future is just, ah, uh, just seems hopeless. If I could just get a little bit of hope or I just need some healing, healing for my soul. There's some things that were done to me, or maybe there's some things that you've done to others, and, and the shame, and the guilt, and the condemnation, and the, the dreams, and the, the memories that are just wounding your soul over and over again. You desperately want your soul healed. A lot of us are searching just for simply peace of mind. This world is so chaotic, it's so busy, it's so, I mean, we're so stressed, and and, and and there's so many things going on and things aren't working right. And if I could just get some peace of mind in my life. Others are searching for purpose. All of us are searching for purpose. Why am I here? What is the point of getting up every day, going to work, coming home, getting up, going to work, taking the kids to school, getting up, going to work, coming home? Being, I mean, what's the point? We're all searching for this this purpose, and so what Jesus is trying to get said here in this simple statement that he makes is that all of those things are found in me. Like he says, apart from me, you will never really truly find hope. You will never find healing, peace, or purpose. You will simply end up with another box of raisins. So when we talk about Jesus, I think there's a lot of confusion about Jesus. All around the world right at this point, there's over a billion people right now gathering to worship the name of Jesus. And there's, there's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. And frankly, it's not just the world or other religions, but some of that confusion is right here in the seats amongst us. And inside the church, we have this misperception and misteachings uh, about who Jesus is. Like, who is he? Why? Why did he come? What, what was the point? And what does it really mean to follow him? Like, what does it mean to be called Christian? There's a lot of misperceptions and confusion about what it really means. And so today, I want to take just a few minutes to kind of address that. So what I, I like about this story here in John's uh, Gospel, chapter 20, is that we find three people that are also confused. They're confused about Jesus. And, and we think thought he was going to do this, and now this is happening, and we read this in verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1 again. It says, early on Sunday morning, say this with me, early on Sunday morning, what? While it was still dark, this is key, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, this is interesting to see here. Jesus, what you see is Jesus didn't wait for the light of day to rise from the grave. He rose while it was still dark. Like, this is who Jesus is. This is what he does. He steps into our darkness to bring us light and life. Can God's people just say amen right there? That is good. I mean, that's who he is. I, I don't know 
some of you, many of you, I don't know your personal intimate story, and, and I, you may have come in here today and you may feel like completely unworthy to be in these seats. Like you just kind of snuck in, you like went over and got in a seat and kind of hoped nobody saw you and kept... You might want to keep your distance from me. You might want to keep some seats because there might be a lightning bolt that might strike right here, just back away, okay? I mean, you, just, you have that, that feeling that at any moment, you know, if, if, if you knew, if you knew what I did, you knew what I'm doing, you would usher me right out those doors. If you're brand new to, the, to our gathering and our people, I want to say to you something that we say often around here is that you, you do not have to behave before you belong. You belong here. This is your place. We want you here. We are glad you are here. So often we feel like, man, I got to get cleaned up. I got, I got to cuss a little bit less before I can go to church, Okay. Hello, man, talk to any parent here. Every parent here cuss their kids out on the way to church, and it's Easter! <laughs> oh, don't look at me like that, Nancy Claggett. You know, come on. I've known you for years, girl. I know you, I know you. I had somebody one time tell me, they said, well, you haven't parented until you cussed at your kids. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that is good. <laughs> I was like, and they were a follower of Jesus. So, uh, but I mean, you just, I don't know how you feel because this, every time we do, do baptism, these baptisms were amazing today. Uh, were they not? They were amazing, amazing stories. But every, every time um, somebody comes to Jesus and we start talking to them about baptism, they're like, well, hang on. Um, I need to get some things right first. I need to get cleaned up first, and once I just need to be ready, and then I'll get baptized. Okay, let me tell you what that's like. That's like taking, that's like trying to get cleaned up before you take a bath. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you come to Jesus, he cleans you up through a process. He's the one who makes you whole. He's the one who makes you complete. And what we're seeing here in the story here, what he came while it was still dark, is what I want you to see here is Jesus isn't waiting until you walk out of your darkness to accept you. Listen, Jesus ain't afraid of the dark. He ain't afraid of your dark. He's not like, oh, girl, I ain't going in there. No, that is jacked up, messed up. Uh-uh. She's got to come out here. That's creepy, crazy stuff right there. You ain't done nothing Jesus ain't seen. You ain't done nothing Jesus don't want to clean up. He doesn't want to help you with. He doesn't want to resurrect you from. This is, this is why he came. He, he, listen, he doesn't come into our light. He comes into our darkness. He, he comes into your pain. Like in the midst of your brokenness. Like your discouragement and your, your, your frustrations and your hopelessness, that's what he comes into. He comes into your shame and the, the, that guilt and that condemnation and the hurt that you feel in the, the midst of your deep, dark sin. You're like, ah! And he steps right into the middle of that to shed a little bit of light to show you the way out of your tomb. Come on, tell three people there's a way out. There's a way out. Tell three people right now, there's a way out. There is a way out, and his name is anybody. All right, all right. 
So Mary, she, she, she's at the tomb, and she has no idea what's happening. No idea what is happening. So she runs back to Peter and John, and we see in verse 2, she says this to them. They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Maybe you feel like Mary. Like you're, you're, you're a little bit confused. Maybe you're a little bit discouraged. Maybe you've asked that same question of God. Where are you? And that's not just for people that aren't followers of Jesus, but I think for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there are times that she's like, where are you, God? Maybe that's you today. Like, where were you when I was being abused? Where were you? You saw what was happening to me. Where were you? Man, when my spouse, I tried to make my marriage work. I tried, I tried, and I tried. And they still walked out the door. Where were you? Man, I went to the preacher, and, and he prayed for my healing. And I'm not any better. God, where are you? And what, what's, what's happening? This is Mary. This is where... Mary finds herself. She's at the tomb. She thinks all is, all is lost. What I love is God was at work in the darkness of the night. He was at work, and this is what God is at work in the midst of your darkest hour. He is working when you cannot see. He is working when you are laid flat out. He is working, even in the darkness. This is our God. This is who we worship. This, our, our God has been pushing back darkness for a long time, people. Like since the dawn of time, he's been pushing back the darkness. Hey, look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. We'll put it on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Look what it says. The earth was formless and empty and what? And darkness. And what? Darkness. There's darkness covered the deep waters. Like maybe that's how you feel today. Your life feels like formless. It feels uh, empty. It's just dark. It just doesn't feel like there's any way out you got to get to the next verse because verse three says this then god said come on people say it like you mean it let there be light let there be light and there was light like this is our god he he steps into our darkness he steps into our brokenness and our in our pain and and in our shame and, and in our sin he steps right in the middle of it to resurrect us and bring us out into the light and into new life I think these three stories this morning of baptism, there's no greater picture than what we witness today. Marlena's like 82 years old, got to get two guys to help her in that tub, and she said, I'm getting in the water. Sergio, man, what a, what a lot of you might know, know about Sergio is Sergio was born deaf. Ah. Uh, and it was, uh, he was about three years old, and, and um, 
a preacher came to town and he said, hey, I think I want to pray for your son that he would be healed. And his mom was very open to that. And they'd prayed many times for him to be healed. And this preacher prayed that, that he would be healed. And they went home and his mom was in the kitchen and she dropped a, a pot and it, and it hit on the ground and Sergio looked over and she thought, well, maybe, maybe he saw it out of the peripheral vision of his eyes. And so she, she grabbed the pots and pans and she went behind Sergio and she banged these pots and pans and Sergio turned around. He, he could hear. He could hear. But that's not the greatest miracle of that story. Because Sergio mom called Sergio's dad and he, he was like Mary. Where are you, God? Where are you? My son cannot hear. Where are you? And he turned his back on God. He walked away from God. And his mom called him and said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but Sergio can hear. And he's like, what? Wait, what? No, your, your son can hear. And in that moment, his dad dropped to his knees, dedicated and gave his life back to Jesus and has been walking with Jesus for decades now. That is our God. And Bridget, Bridget, she, she's in an abusive relationship I talked to her this week, and she described to me some of the horrors of what was happening to her in this physically abusive relationship, and, and she just felt she didn't have a way out, and, and she tried to get away, and then she would go back and try to get away, and, and she would go back, and she was, it was just dark, really dark place. And then she told me um, about Christmas Eve morning. Christmas Eve morning, we were all here. And we were lighting our candles. Remember that? Our candlelight service. And we were lighting a candle. And Bridget was taking some pills at that moment to end her life. But God in his mercy and in his grace is only the way our Father can. He enters into our darkness. He doesn't look upon that and say, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, you, you do need to die. But God entered into that with grace and mercy and rescued her. And she was pulled out of that darkness, met some other ladies, got to core church. And her life now is full of light and life and hope and restoration. This is our God. Like, this is what he does. Let's go back to John's gospel, John chapter 20 and verse 3, because it says Peter and the other disciple, they, they started out for the tomb. And so what you have to understand, again, is they don't know or remember that Jesus had told them about a resurrection. They think somebody has stolen the body. So they're running to this tomb, and they're confused. They're full of fear, and they're probably pretty angry. And what they should have been doing is they should have been running in hope. Because Jesus, they should have been running that with the belief that what Jesus said was going to happen, happened. Like Jesus had told them over and over again, I'm going to rise from the grave, I'm going to rise from the grave, I'm going to rise from the grave. Like He's like, he even got out, like he went old school, preschool, Sunday school, and he like got out a flannel board, and he put up a well with Jonah, and was like, I'm like Jonah in the well, I'm going to go on the ground, I'm going to come back up. They still didn't get it. He's like, I've told you. And they should have been running in hope. Hope of a resurrection. Hope of a second chance. Hope of new life. Hope of victory. Hope of his kingdom come. Listen, as a follower of Jesus, you can run in hope. 
You can run in hope because he conquered death. And because he conquered death, I can conquer whatever life throws at me. Man, I can conquer depression. I can conquer disease. I can conquer addiction. I can conquer abuse. I can conquer whatever comes my way because of the hope of Jesus. I can walk out of my tomb. So, so what I love here is, is Peter and, and John, they're, they're in the, the tomb and, and the, we have this weird picture of the, the grave clothes and they're folded, they're folded, <laughs> they're folded neatly, like, like Jesus made his bed, okay? I mean, he's like making his bed, went to bed, bath and beyond, got some throw pillows, you know, and decorating it up, making it look good, folds up his grave clothes. Why would he do that? He took his time. I think this is such a beautiful and amazing picture of the compassion and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. Because those grave clothes represent our sin. And I don't know what your picture is of Jesus when he sees you in your sin. Maybe you see him as he's going to confront me. Sinner. And he just cannot wait to smite you, oh mighty smiter. He cannot wait to send you to a sinner's hell and punish you for what you have done. That is not our Jesus. That is, he, listen, he himself said, I didn't come to judge. I came to save. So what this is a picture of is, listen, he takes his time on wrapping our grave clothes. He knows the, the pain. He knows the wound. He knows the shame. He knows struggle. He's not going to rush through it. He's going to lovingly, compassionately, and mercifully remove those clothes so that you can leave them behind in the grave and walk out into new life and the light of Christ. So maybe today you're like, you're like John. John, he, uh, you remember he ran to the tomb, but he stood outside and he didn't quite want to go in. He's like, I don't know. Uh, and maybe that's you. you. You've walked, you've gotten to church and you're like, but man, it's, it's dark in there. I don't know. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of mess in there and I appreciate what you're saying, but it's so hard and I, 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 it'd, be, I'd, it'd be so hard to get out of what I'm in and what I've done, and I, I don't know. I want you to take some hope in the words of John, because it says this in verse 8. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first, this is John, he also went in, and what? Say this with me. He did what? He saw and he believed. So what does it mean to believe? I, I think there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of misinterpretation of what it means to believe from other religions, from in-house, from even our own preconceived ideas of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I, I don't know your story, but my story is um, I, was, I was raised in the church. I've always been in the church. So grateful for that. Um, from the, I've only known being in the house from the time I was born. And uh, like I was talking about the flannel board with the Jonah thing, and I know some of you are like, What's a flannel board? What's, what's Jonah? Well, I'll fill you in later. Don't worry. You didn't miss anything, okay? <laughs> you didn't miss much. But that was my, my story. And I remember um, being about eight or nine. And, I, and I, I remember I was so scared that I wasn't 
going to go to heaven because I, I felt God's not going to ever forgive me. And, and I, would, I would sin and I, I mess up and, I, and God's not going to forgive me and he's not going to let me into heaven. And, and I was, was so scared at one point. They had this, they, there's this, in scripture it talks about the rapture. Jesus is going to come again for his church. Amen? He's coming again for his church. But there was this fear, and when you were, when I was, during the era that I was raised in, they literally tried to scare the hell out of you, okay? And they did pretty good at that, pretty well. And so I remember as a kid, I would come home from school. I'm just, I mean, it's goofy to admit this, but um, I would hide under the bed because I was afraid the rapture had happened, that Jesus had come back, and that I... I didn't get to go to heaven. I was eight. I was eight. And I remember I would hear the door open and, and, and I'd hear somebody come in, but it'd be my brother. And I was like, oh, I know he's going to hell. And so, <laughs> so, and so I'd stay under the bed. And then I'd hear my mom or dad come home and I'd be like, okay, all right, good. And I'd come out. Hey, how's it going, mom? I made it one more day. And then, and then I remember in my junior high years, trying so hard to not sin and not mess up. And, and I remember vividly I was in a Bible study in my parents' house, and we were sitting around the living room, and I had this big old Bible, and it was, it was the language I couldn't even hardly understand. Thou thee, though, dude, hi. And it had all these you know, weird words in it, and I couldn't understand it, but I thought that was the one I was supposed to have, and I wasn't supposed to really kind of understand it. And, it, and I had a highlighter. And I watched everybody was highlighting their Bible, and so I would highlight verses. I didn't even know what I was highlighting. I just highlight stuff because I, it's like I just just wanted, didn't want to miss it. And the the, the pivotal point for me was um, later in my junior high years. Uh, they had these things called record burnings. I know many you're like, what? First of all, you're like, what's a record? Um, Google it. Uh, but. Back in the day, they used to, they would say and talk about how, they would talk about the evils of rock and roll and the evils of music. And so what they would do is they started this thing around the, the country, and they did it at our church as well, is um, they would bring records, youth ministries would, and they would burn all of their records in the parking lot. As I'm saying that, how awful does that sound? Hey, welcome to church. <laughs> Big puffs of smoke. <laughs> This is terrible. And I, I remember being there, and, and I was like, I ain't burning my records. Uh-uh. I mean, I was thinking, man, I got my Def Leppard album. I got my Lover Boy. I love me some Lover Boy. I ain't burning my Lover Boy album. And I, I remember the pressure, though, the pressure that the adults put on me. They, I was the pastor's son. I was a preacher's kid. And they were like, they just looked at me, and they, I could just feel it like, you ain't going to heaven unless you burn those records. And I remember the other youth and feeling the pressure, so much pressure. I went home, I got all my records, I brought them and I threw them into this giant metal container. I remember my Eagles Live album, there it went. There went my Loverboy album, Def Leppard album. <laughs> I bought them all back, okay? So uh, I was so under condemnation, I burned my Barry Manilow albums. Yeah. Time out, time out, time out. Some of you are like, oh, now he's preaching because, yeah, he is the Antichrist. I know that. <laughs> I write the songs that make the whole world sin. Yep, there it is right there. There it is. 
So I burned all these, and it was just in that moment that I just realized I can't, I just, I just walked away. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I, I wanted to. I, I, it wasn't I didn't love God. I just couldn't do it. Then I discovered this thing called grace. And I realized that it didn't matter all of those things. What mattered is what Jesus did on the cross, that he loved me and that he poured out this grace and mercy on me and I could cease all my striving and my work and accept salvation and that he would never walk away from me ever again. But honestly, I spent about the next two decades understanding that I was forgiven but not feeling loved by God. That might be surprising to some of you, but uh, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was uh, on a board. I just didn't really think God loved me. I um, was on staff. I went into full-time ministry, and I tried so hard to earn God's love and his favor, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I, and, I, and I would be like, I would be in church, and I mean, I'd be in church when I didn't want to be in church, and I'm the preacher, and you know, I'm like, I want to be in church, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'd feel these times where I, I didn't read it enough, and I'm like, and I knew I was forgiven, but I was like, man, I just want you to love me. I just want you to accept me, D.E.D. I wish you just, if, if I'd done enough, have I done enough, do you love me? And then I was reintroduced to grace again. And I learned of the love of the Father. And, and what I just heard God say to me is, Brad, this is what it is. Just believe and follow. Just believe and follow. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the power of the Son of God to forgive sins. Believe that he was risen again on the third day. Believe believe, and then just follow. And what I've learned is that there's, <laughs> I'm going to mess up again. I'm going to sin. I don't want to. I'm not trying to, but I'm going to mess up. But what I have found is, is that when I trip and I fall, Jesus doesn't turn and walk away from me. He is right there in that moment to pick me up, dust me off, and begin walking with me. Just means believe and to, and to follow. Believe and follow. That's what John did here in this moment. The interesting thing about uh, grapes is that if you uh, stomp on them, and, and then if you uh, take them and you put them under the ground, and you, you leave them for any amount of time, uh, and you just wait, they will turn to fine wine. See, Jesus, on, on the night that he was betrayed, he um, was gathered around and had dinner with his disciples, one last dinner. And they, he passed some bread around, and he said, this represents my body. And then he took a cup, and said, this represents my, my blood, which is going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. And just a few hours later, he was arrested, and he was stomped on. And he was beaten, and he was ridiculed, 
He was placed on a sinner's cross, and he died, and they put him under the ground. But like fine wine, he aged for three days. And then the earth shook, and that stone was blown off, and our Savior walked out of that tomb and gives us resurrection power. This is our God. This is who he is. Like if you feel you've been stomped on, you feel like you have been beaten and rejected, guess what? He understands, he knows, and he took it all for you so you could rest, rest in his grace, rest in his mercy, and rest in his love.